0: All right. Isn't it good that we can come and surrender everything, right? Amen. Every care, every worry, we can come and bring it, bring it to God. Um, we're going we're gonna to introduce uh, Mike and, and Doug to you in just a minute. Uh, but first, uh, let's, uh, let's pray. Father, I thank you uh, for your scripture. I thank you for your word. I thank you that you come to bring life and, uh, and life to the full. God, we give you this time, Lord. May you speak through us, uh, through myself, and through Mike and through through Doug. God would uh, would we just be uh, just faithful to your to your scripture and to your word, and we thank you, God, for this opportunity uh, tonight to come and praise you and give you honor and glory, in Jesus' name. Everyone said, "Amen, amen." amen. Well. Um, Phil is away right now. He's actually, yeah, he's at a pastor's conference uh, in the UK, and then also preaching in Saskatoon. So he's preaching in 14 days, I think about a thousand times. So, um, so he, uh, uh, my, my mom always told me a million times not to exaggerate, so, um... Anyways, uh, yeah, and Pastor Tanya right now is at the ladies' retreat, uh, and there's, there, there's over 70 ladies there, and, uh, and Carolyn Birch is preaching, uh, and so just keep them in your prayers. They're having an awesome time there, eating all sorts of chocolate and, and escaping the craziness of all their kids eating chocolate at home, I'm sure. So uh, yeah, that's uh, great, so we'll keep them in, in our prayers. But how many of you would love a long life? How many of you here would like a long life? You know, yeah, you can raise your hands. Yes, a long life. How many of you would love things to go well with you? You would love things just to go well, to go smoothly. It would be so nice. Yes, it would be great. You know, how many of you would like the answer to this? You'd like the answer, things to go well, things to go smoothly. Yes. Well, I have the answer to that question. And if you buy my book, there's 18,000 reasons in this huge encyclopedia. No, um... Actually, and if you order now, I'll give you a CD, too, you know, of, of wonderful songs that I've sung. No, uh, that's not going to happen. Uh, the answer is free uh, because it has been paid for already, and it's here. It's in the Word of God. So um, I would love for you guys to open up your Bibles uh, and, uh, or your iPhones or iPads, and you can turn in your electronic pages or in your pages like this. Uh, to Exodus 20. Uh, but the first uh, four commands uh, we, that Phil has actually taught us on, uh, which was basically it sums us up, is how to love God. So we had no other gods, no other idols, uh, mis- misuse of the name of the Lord, and keeping the Sabbath. So they're all things of, of how to love God. The next six are about loving one another. So let's read in Exodus 20, but before we do that, we're, gonna, we're doing things a little bit different today, so, uh, so bear with us. There's a little bit more participation from, from everyone. So what we're going to do is we're going to stand as we read God's scripture. Let's give, uh, let's give it honor and, and authority in our lives, and we're going to stand and read this together. It'll come up on the screen, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, Exodus 20, and you can read along uh, verse 12. We'll read it together. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. All right, you may have a seat. So, first off, um, I want to tell you what this text does not say. First, because uh, we need to kind of, uh, there's been some all sorts of misconceptions about this. Uh, first, it doesn't say to obey, although we will touch on that a little bit later. Uh, but another thing is to honor until you have a family of your own. It doesn't say to honor until you have a family of your own, and then you don't have to honor your parents anymore. It doesn't say to, to honor until you leave homes, because once you leave home, then you don't have to honor your parents anymore. And, and third here, it says it, you don't have to honor until your parents die, right? Then after they're gone, you don't have to honor them anymore. That's not what it's saying. Actually, I remember there was this boy one time. He came uh, to his grandpa, and he said, Grandpa, can you rib it like a frog? Just, just rib it like a frog. And his grandpa's like, what? You want me to rib it like what? Yeah, rib it like a frog. Come on. You can do it. Rib it like a frog. And he's becoming more and more intent. And the grandpa's like, okay, okay. Stop whining. Stop. I'll do it. I'll do it. And he goes, rib it, rib it. And the kid's like, "Woohoo! yes, you did it. And he's like, why are you so excited? And he's like, yes, woo I'm so excited. And the Grandpa's like, why are you so excited? Tell me. He said, well, because Mom said, when you croak, we get to go to Disneyland. <laughs> so um, there's, uh, we're not supposed to stop honoring our parents after they die. We're, we're to honor our father, our mother when they're alive and when they're dead to honor your grandfather, your grandmother, your great-grandmother, your great-grandfather. What this text is really saying is that there's no time when you are to not honor your parents until you die. So we continue to honor our parents. That means the words are for me, for you, and for you, and for you. They're for everyone. These words are for all of us. This commandment has been the rock for all progress and growth and development in the Christian family throughout every generation. And the Ten Commandments, we see, is, is really a summary of what, of what we ought to be, what we should be. Um, but we know that sometimes we're far from that. Um, so again, we're going to read another scripture, and, uh, and this time we're going to stand again. Uh, so you can stand up. We See, this is like... Sit down if—no. So we're going to stand and read Ephesians 1 to 3, and uh, and we're going to read it out loud together again. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Thank you. You can have a seat again. And now you can stand up. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> no, so there you hear it. So uh, it says to honor, right? Like you see here in the first, it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And the second verse, it's honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, with a promise. So it's the first, first commandment with a promise. It doesn't mean that it's numerically the first but what it does mean is the foremost, that when, it, when we come and when it, we're talking about loving others, it starts here. It starts here. So it says honor because the relationship between parent and your children and your child changes. That's why it says children obey your parents and honor your father and mother because as you grow up, things change, that, that relationship changes. For some of you, if you can love and honor your parents, you can love and honor anybody Some of you feel that way. There is no commandment that says more about us, more about our walk with God. Um, It's actually one of the biggest evidences uh, in my life of when I was born again, when I was saved, when I asked the Lord into my life. Uh, It was the change of attitude towards my parents. It is a mark of a true believer because you can't do it on your own, um, and it becomes only through the strength that God gives you, and you realize that when you honor God, uh, that he calls you to honor your parents and to honor those in authority. So the word honor means heavy. So how many of you here have, you know, you're either born in the 60s, lived through the 60s, you know, you're, you, know you were there through that time, through the crazy time of the 60s, but you hear this expression like, whoa, man, that's heavy. Whoa, that's heavy. Um, and that's like... That's what that means here is like, is is it's heavy, it's weighty, it's impressive to trust and admire. It draws out of me a sense of admiration and respect. So we're supposed to treat our parents and make them feel like they are impressive, that they carry weight, that what they say carries weight. You may not see eye to eye, you may not agree with them, but please. Don't treat them as insignificant. Treat them like they are important in your life. Yes, even after they're dead. Treat them as though they are important. Because they will always reside in your deepest portions of your conscious and unconscious mind. And in your life. It's inescapable. It's in our DNA. Right? It's how we're made. It's a part of us. They are a part of us. You've heard the saying, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, right? How many of you seen a, a, a picture of Phil's son, Josiah, on Facebook? You, you saw him there? Well, it actually wasn't Phil's son, Josiah. It was actually Phil himself. So uh, you can see the resemblance there of just how far, like the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. They're so similar. It's, it's uncanny. Uh, you ever notice what people do? Uh, after a major life-changing experience or a major accomplishment, do you know what they do? Who do they phone? Who do they talk to? Right? Who do they who do they call? They don't call Ghostbusters. Uh, no. Who do they call? They call the parents. And or who do they call when they need money? <laughs> right? You guys know. You guys know. Right. Uh, it's the parents. Actually, it was funny because my wife and I, we would uh, we'd watch American Idol and, and, uh, and you'd see these, these, a life-changing moment happen for these people. And they're, they've got their ticket to go to Hollywood and they're so excited because they, they got to go to Hollywood to, uh, to sing and impress the judges more. And that they were accepted for their singing, like, wow, I'm a great singer. And you would see just the, them being so happy and they instantly get out their phone and call who? their mom and dad, right? Or if, if the mom or dad passed away, it's, I really wish that I could talk to them right now. Uh, they'd be so proud of me, or I just want to make them proud. It's, for some reason, always, whenever there's a major accomplishment, major achievement, something, it's like, I wish they were there. Even through marriage, you hear that all the time with people that had lost their, uh, their folks before they got married. They say, you know, I just wish uh, they would have been here at that, at that moment, or they would be so proud. And that's so true. Like, they're always there. So how do we then honor when our families and parents and authorities are so incredibly dysfunctional, complex, and difficult? How do we do this? So what we're going to do is I'm going to uh, break from that as we ask that question. And uh, I want to introduce uh, to you uh, two Um, amazing men. Uh, It's Doug Boyd and Mike Ryder. Give them a hand. Give them a Willow Park. So they're going to come up, and uh, I just wanted to introduce to you to to Mike here on the far right. Uh, Mike Ryder has been interning with me uh, for the past year. And uh, he also runs all the groups at Pursuit, with, which is our youth and young adults uh, service on Sunday night. And, uh, and he's been uh, also going through credentialing and stuff through the, through the conference, and he's wanting to become a pastor and stuff. So I like that
1: Curtis keeps calling me a pastor. Yes, it's great. It's good. I could yeah. get used to that. That's so, right. Thanks, Curtis.
0: And uh, yeah,
1: so, and Mike's
0: been a great, great help to me. As well here uh, is the newest member to the team here uh, is Doug Boyd, and uh, he's a great, great guy, but uh, above and beyond that, he has stepped out, uh, and, uh, and he wanted to serve, serve you, and, uh, and that was a fantastic thing. He's a, our new on-staff here, volunteer pastor for for newcomers and new believers. So if you're a newcomer here to Willow Park, or you're a new believer, then this is the guy you need to talk to, uh, and he's going to come alongside you and help you out and kind of uh, you know figure out all things Willow Park and and then all things uh, too just being a Christ follower. So um, we're going to get to hear a little bit from these guys, and I wanted you to introduce you to them. So let's give them another hand. They've been excellent. So, Doug, we're going to start with you. Uh, we thought okay. we'd ask you a few questions. Um, it's funny because when, uh, when we were thinking about this, uh, you know, about kind of all talking this weekend about, uh, about our parents, you kind of laughed and said, God, you know, has a yeah. sense of humor. Yeah,
2: that was my reaction. God <laughs> has a sense of humor on that one.
0: Yeah. yeah. So what is it, your first reaction then when we read this text uh, in Exodus 20? Uh, what's, what's your story? Okay, well, just so, so you can know a little bit about me, I
2: uh, come here with a pastoral background. I pastored in another denomination for 10 years, and I'm having a wonderful time trying to figure out what it means to be Mennonite Brethren, and I uh, was talking to Phil about membership, and he, I said, I'm not even sure what that really means to Mennonite Brethren people, and he said, well, first you have to wear your hair up in a bun. <laughs> and I said, okay, how about my wife? What does she have to do? So I'm um, trying to figure out what Mennonite Brethren is all about. Uh, but while I was pastoring, I did a lot of counseling, and every time I was talking to people, it was either about their family of origin and how their parents were or how they got along with their siblings, or it was about their relationships and their marriage or work or wherever. And so I ended up doing a degree in marriage and family therapy and did counseling for 20 years. And through that time, I heard the best about people and I heard the worst about people. And I know that as soon as you mention parents, people have a bunch of different reactions from really good to really, oh no, what was that about? Uh, And just the topic of of how do you honor certain people brings up all kinds of emotion for them. And it's either parents who who are less than they should have been or a parent feeling like they've been dishonored by their children or People without parents or people without kids, and uh, I know it brings up all different kinds of things. So, uh, professionally, I'm aware of what it, this topic does to a lot of people. And then, for me personally, I have been so blessed to have the world's best in-laws. I really do. My father-in-law was the finest man I've ever known. Um, godly man. He's gone home to the Lord now. My I introduced my mother-in-law, some of you met her when she was here, and I always introduce her as, this is the world's best mother-in-law, and she always wants to know what I want when I say that, so (laughs) uh, we get along just fine. So from my own experience, it's just so easy to be honoring to my in-laws. My parents, not so much, and there are a bunch of different reasons for that, and some of them ongoing and continuing on in the family saga. Uh, and so it makes it a little trickier. So because I've been going through some rough rough times with my family, um, which are thankfully 2,000 miles away, so it's a lot easier over here, <laughs> um, so uh, that's why I think God has a sense of humor. It's like, oh, sure, ask about this one. Okay. So that's my reaction.
0: Yeah, so in light of your story, Doug, um, you've got the easy and the more difficult. So, how do you handle this scripture in light of, you kind of have both things going on here, so how do you handle that? Okay, well, first place I want to go with that,
2: and I don't know if it's, if we have anything up on the screen or not, but I'm probably going to mess you up anyway.
0: No, probably not. Okay, Probably not. <laughs> all right.
2: Um, so, the first thing that I think about when I read this passage, and I was not i was away when Phil started the series on the Ten Commandments, so I'm not really sure if he covered this or not, but let me just give a little bit of background for it, in that this, these Ten Commandments are really the conditional um, promises that the people of Israel made to God uh, when they entered into a covenant relationship with Him. Throughout Scripture, you'll see the promise happening over and over again, that God is calling the people to himself, and it keeps sounding like this, I will be your God, and you will be my people. I will be your God, you'll be my people. All that I am is, all his provision, all his health, all his care, all his protection, all of those things, I am your God, and you are my people, and this is what my people look like. And I believe that the Ten Commandments have been given to us as a kind of love relationship with God, that it's out of his love and care for his chosen people that he said, these are the marks. These are what separate you from the rest of the nations. These are how people know that you are, how the rest of the world knows that you're my people because I love you and I want to give you good things. And it helps me to think of the Ten Commandments as being gifts that God has given to his people so that we can live well. And so that's the first place I start with that is it's a covenant condition and it's universal. And so if God says it to every one of his people, that means it's possible for us all. Um, So it becomes a matter of the heart. And that's why I think it's so good for us, so important for us, that when we learn to be people of honor... Something shifts within us. Even if we've, particularly if we come from a place, a background where we have felt dishonored by people, when we learn how to honor, something shifts. I can tell people who don't know how to honor, they're grumpy, they're angry, they're always discouraged, they frown a lot. But if we know how to honor, What? You know somebody like that, don't you? I can tell. (laughs) Uh, If we learn how to honor and be a people who honor one another, the first four commandments are about honoring God. The rest of the commandments are about how we honor one another. It begins with our parents, a primary relationship. And if we do that, we can become people who know how to honor one another. In unity in a church, unity in a community, is based on how well we can honor one another. And so it brings you life, it brings you quality of life, it brings you happiness when we learn to be and practice being a people of honor. Um, It is good for you. And sometimes it's hard, I understand that, but sometimes we have to remember that it's good for you. It's like broccoli and spinach and drinking 94 gallons of water a day. Somewhere it's supposed to be good for you. And this is stuff that is good for us, that God gives us this opportunity to say, this is how I want you to live. This is your best life when we learn how to do these things. And all we have to do is take a look at what society becomes when we're a society of dishonor, when we dishonor one another by stealing from one another, when we dishonor one another by killing each other, when we dishonor one another by taking stuff that doesn't belong to you or by committing adultery, we dishonor one another throughout the rest of the commandments. They all seem to be based on this idea that when I can honor God first, when I can honor the people around me, my parents, the people around me, and then I can be a person of honor, and I can live honorably, when I get the idea of what honor looks like. Now, we're gonna talk a little bit later about what that might look like in practical terms. Uh, A number of years ago now, about a decade ago, I was in Uganda and I'd never been to Africa before, but I was totally amazed to watch all the women. When they came up to their husband, they did this. And they stayed there until their husband said they could get up. Now, I'm not suggesting that's a good thing, even if the women are away <laughs> this weekend. But that's what it meant in their culture. And I watched pastors stand there and just make her wait. I'm not sure that that's God. God's intent or plan for this verse, but it's how they did it in their culture. But it's up for us to figure out how do we become honorable people for one another and to glorify the Lord. Because when we're honoring people, when we honor one another, we bring glory to God. When we honor one another, we are thankful people. You can't honor somebody you're not thankful about. Mm -hmm. And even though Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes people do dishonorable things to other people. If we learn how to honor one another, we live better. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Yeah, so Doug, uh, we understand, like, you know, how do you show honor then uh, practically in your life because you've had less than perfect parents? How do you, how do you tangibly do that?
2: Okay, I think the first step in, into that, and this is not necessarily out of Exodus, but I believe that you can only honor somebody when you accept them. It doesn't mean you like everything they do. It doesn't matter that you approve of everything they do. But I have to accept what is. If I'm not accepting what's going on, if I can't accept that that's the reality in my life, then I'm always going to protest it, which means I'm going to fight it which means my relationships are based on fighting rather than in honoring and, and, um, and being peaceful. So I think the first step to it is I have to accept whatever is. And in this case, if my parents were not what I wanted them to be, I have to accept their struggles, their shortcomings. I have to accept their character flaws, all of those kinds of things. They're imperfect people like I'm an imperfect people. Now, so um, they're imperfect, and I need to accept the imperfections, because if not, it sets tension into the relationship. So the first thing I have to do is I need to accept parents for whatever they are. Again, it doesn't mean I like it, doesn't mean I want to support it, doesn't mean I want to be like that, but it means I accept that that's who they are. So for me, it's, um, I'm in a situation where my father passed away about 10 years ago. My mother's still living, she's 102 and I know she's ancient (laughs) she's been ancient forever (laughs) she's she was ancient when I was a kid (laughs) she's still ancient now so uh, but she's 102 lives in Ontario with my uh, mom with my uh, brother at least and uh, so for me it's a long distance thing so I keep in touch with her I write her cards I send stuff to her I phone her every week Mm -hmm. Um, I pray for her a lot Um, For my mother-in-law, I love doing things for her and help her however I can. Mm -hmm. The other idea that came to my mind was, as a family, we have done this really cool thing. If you want to practice honoring somebody, our family adopted a grandma. Mm -hmm. We already have two of our own, but we thought we should have another one. And so we have adopted... Uh, My mother-in-law's friend, Dixie. She is Grandma Dixie to my kids and to my grandkids, to us. Um, And we just include her in things. If there's a celebration or Saturday morning breakfast or whatever, we're there. We pray for her. We love her. We call her. And we have just included it. Now, has she done anything to deserve that other than being a sweet little old lady? No, not for us. Uh, But she's had a hard life. And I, I won't tell you all about that, but you know what? She has exhibited uh, the nature of Jesus Christ. Mm. And so we like to honor that, and we include her, and we are so richly blessed. And that's what happens. Sorry. That's what happens. Sorry, guys. That's you what tie, happens. You need
0: to tie it in a bun. Then it yeah, stays. I know. It's a little better.
2: Might have to borrow something. <laughs> uh, but that's what happens. When you become honor, an honoring people, you become a blessed people. You know you're blessed, and you begin to count your blessings for, as we honor the people around us.
0: Well, thanks, Doug. Okay. I, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, so Mike, let's, let's move on to you. Mike, what's, what's your first reaction to this scripture, to this text about honoring your parents?
1: Well, this scripture places me in a little bit of a conundrum uh, in the fact that I was raised in a non-Christian home. Now, my parents would probably call themselves Christians, but when I was a kid, uh, I only remember going to church twice. Uh, The first time, I was in preschool, and I went with the neighbors, so my parents didn't even come with me, and we went to a Catholic church, sat in the very back row, and I had no idea what was going on. The second time, I was probably in about grade four, and we went with some family friends. And that was my first and only experience of Sunday school, in which the only thing I remember is playing tag. Because I liked tag. So that's the only thing I remembered. The only time I heard the name of Jesus was uh, as a kind of a secondary curse word, the kind of swear word you can use instead of the actual swear words and not get in trouble. Um, So that's kind of the environment uh, I was in, not really knowing about Jesus, just kind of, you know, we believe there's some supernatural being out there. That was about it. Now I'm really grateful for the upbringing my parents gave me. They loved us sacrificially. They raised us to treat other people with respect and respect ourselves. And and a really good uh, upbringing, a good kind of discipline in our lives. And so I'm really grateful for that. But after I became a Christian in grade 12 and then growing up and growing into that faith, there did become kind of a clash of beliefs and values that eventually came and the instance that always stands out to my mind is when I was in grade 12 and that was the time that I decided I wanted to go into vocational ministry that I wanted to become a pastor and my parents were really supportive of this but the concern that my father would raise up to me and still to this day raises up to me is you know pastors don't make very much money which is true. Yeah, yeah I agree. It's true. Um, my father... Especially volunteer pastors. Especially right? volunteer pastors. Or interns. So my, uh, my father is a businessman through and through. So he's very concerned about money, motivated by money. And, and so that's where our clash comes. Is My motivation is different. My motivation is primarily that this is what God's calling me to. And secondarily, this is what my passion is. This is what I love to do. So we have that kind of conflict of motivations. so my struggle with this text comes in how do i submit to that god-giving authority of my parents mm-hmm. when that sometimes doesn't mean obedience to god's authority itself mm-hmm. so that's where my struggle comes from
0: yeah so mike how how then do you honor with uh with these different values and principles like the there you know obviously there's some of those that come into play how, how do you deal with that or how did you deal with that
1: I think that um, obedience is, is a part of honoring, but just a part of it. it it's expanded much more, and it's a part that kind of gets lessened as you get older, obviously. When you're a kid, the biggest part of honoring is obeying your parents, mm-hmm. whereas when you get older, and you move out, and you get married, and you have this new kind of authority dynamic with your significant other, uh, that, that obedience kind of steps back a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, to honor your parents when you get older is much like what Doug said, You know, invite them out to family gatherings. You ask for their blessing uh, in marriages. And the one that I'm really bad at that Doug is good at is calling your parents every week. And my parents live in town, and I'm terrible at that. So <laughs> not 2,000 miles away. Not 2,000 <laughs> miles away, just up the hill in Kettle Valley. So uh, that's something I've got to work on. But that's ways you can, you can honor your parents as well. Honoring is acknowledging and respecting the authority that they have over you and, and acknowledging the, their worthiness of, of holding that authority. And so this takes an emotional aspect with that respect and reverence for them, um, realizing that God has put them in an authoritative position over you, that they are God's representatives to you as you grow up. And so, since God has given that, that power, we should respect that authority and respect them for the position that they hold. And also, our parents raise us in the way that they think is right. And even though we may not think it's right, even though I have different values and beliefs than my father, I know he's raising me or is trying to raise me in the way that he thought was right. And even if our parents, absolutely fail as a representative of of God uh, to us, we still are called to honor them. We're still called to respect that authority because they are God's representatives. So we're respecting God's authority of placing them over us. Mm. They are part of God's plan and will in your life because God purposely puts you with those as your parents. And so we respect God's will and his plan for our life by deciding to put us underneath their authority And when it comes right down to it, the fact that you exist is because of your parents, in part. If it wasn't for them, we wouldn't be sitting here. We wouldn't be alive. So there's that aspect, which is pretty Mm -hmm. important as well. And we see how Jesus reacts and uh, submits to his earthly parents when he's a boy in Luke chapter 2. He's 12 years old. They're coming back from the Passover festival, in Jerusalem, And that's when Mary and Joseph realize that their son is missing, that they can't find Jesus anyway. So, like any good parent, they panic and start looking for him and then hightail it back to Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And they find him in the temple, and this is how their conversation went. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. So Jesus has this knowledge that his parents don't have. They're not understanding what he's saying to them. And Jesus, even though he's 12, Jesus is God as well. So he has this power over them as well. But how does he react? Even though he has this knowledge they don't have and he has this power? We see in the next verse, it says, And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. Mm -hmm. So even though Jesus has this knowledge and this power over her, he doesn't hold it over his parents. He respects the authority that God has given them over him and submits to them and goes to Nazareth with them and honors his parents in doing so. So that's the emotional aspect. The other aspect is this gestures of respect, uh, which we see um, Doug mentioned in, Uganda, right? It was Uganda, <laughs> where they bow for the husbands. We see an Asian culture bowing as well as a sign of respect and, and honoring the other person. And I think an important aspect we need to have with our parents, no matter what age we are, and that gesture we should show, is listening attentively to what they have to say. Um, by listening attentively, we acknowledge that they have the authority to instruct us and that what they have to say is worth taking to heart, and thus we respect that authority they have and honor that authority they have over us. Honor and respect doesn't mean we obey every command that our parents give us, nor do we have to agree with every decision they make, but it doesn't mean that we seek to undermine the authority that they have, because that's disrespecting Mm -hmm. of our parents. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. So, Mike, how do you honor without undermining your parents' authority? Like, how, do, how did you do that?
1: I think we have to come to a realization that because they're God's representatives to us, they also have a responsibility to God. Um, we see God command the Israelites to teach their kids about him. Uh, for example, the Passover festival, he calls the, the Israelite parents to teach their children about how God is taking their ancestors out of Egypt. And they do that from generation to generation to generation, teaching them how God has brought them out. So their primary responsibility to God is to teach their kids about God and God's service, that God is good. And that's their primary aspect for that. We see in the Bible as well that there's limitations to what a child is called to obey his parents as well. The, the law says that if a parent or a child disobeys his parents, then he gets stoned to death. But it also shows, and we have examples of, they didn't have to obey if what the parent commanded was contrary to God's word. If the parent was going against God with his command, or with their command, then the child didn't have to obey. And we see it with Abraham. His life becomes significant at the point that he leaves his father's house to pursue God. And we see Ruth obtain a position of respect among Israel women when she leaves her country and her parents behind. And we see Hezekiah, he rejects the upbringing of his father Ahaz, his godless father, to follow his new father David and to follow God. Even when we disobey um, because it doesn't line up with God's word. There's a loving way to disobey, and there's an unloving way to disobey. Uh, Myself, when I was thinking of proposing to my now wife, Caitlin, I went and talked to my dad about it, and he gave me two pieces of advice. The first one was to wait, because we were really young. I mean, I'm still young to be married, as I hear all the time. (laughs) But we were younger then, and we weren't very financially well off. And uh, so he gave me that advice. We took it to heart, pushed back our wedding by two years, and we're better, better state because of it. The other piece of advice he gave me was that we should move in together before we got married. And so I, I listened to that advice, and I saw that it didn't align with what God's word told me. Because if I moved in with her before we were married, that was a huge temptation to fall into sexual immorality. And knowing us we probably would have fell into that immorality. So I knew that I couldn't put myself in the position to be tempted like that. Mm -hmm. So I listened to what he had to say. I compared it to God's word. Saw that it didn't really match up with what I see in God's word. And so I respectfully gave him why I couldn't obey that advice. And he respected that. He didn't necessarily believe that it was the best route, but he respected my decision. And so I disobeyed that um, advice and we see Jesus be patient with his parents. He's gentle with his parents. We don't see Jesus yelling at his mother. We don't see him getting testy with his father. We don't see him packing up a backpack and threatening to run away from his mother. Isn't that something you did? It's something I did (laughs) with tears streaming down my face and I was, I don't know, six maybe. Six is always my go-to age when I'm telling stories. Uh, Packing up my backpack it's tears, starting to run away, go halfway down the block, sit down on a curb, and think about all the things I have to do for myself now that my parents are, are not, that I'm running away from them, mm. and realizing that's a lot of work, and so about 20 minutes later, going back home, unpacking my backpack, and eating dinner. Uh, so <laughs> we don't see Jesus do that. Yeah, the food, that food, the food was the, the deal breaker. Especially, though. you know, yeah. with boys. Boys growing. Um... So there's a good way and there's a bad way. And even when we disobey our parents in a loving way or an unloving way, there can be a cause for offense. We can offend our parents by disobeying even if we go approach it in the best way possible. And I think we can still honor our parents in that. We, we seek forgiveness, we confess, and we repent to see reconciliation. And we, we do that to God and we do that to our parents. And that's how we can honor our parents even though we have offended them in that way. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, thanks, Mike. I really, really appreciate that uh, opening up and sharing uh, about your, your life and, and the scriptures, how it relates with Jesus. That was fantastic. And thank you, Doug. Um, uh, it's uh, something very tangible also that happened to me, actually, in the, in the recent past here, is my daughter, uh, my daughter and I, uh, we, we say prayers at night, and uh, it's one of those times, you know, where, you, where kids can say something so profound yet so simple and you sit there and you're just like, wow, that's so true. And, uh, and she was praying and uh, she was praying to God and she said, Father, thank you uh, for giving me my mom and dad. Thank you for giving me my brother and my sister. Uh, they're such gifts to me. And uh, I just wouldn't want any other mom or dad or any other brother and sister uh, because you gave them to me. And because uh, you, you just know <laughs> because you're God. <laughs> and she's going on about this thing and it was just, it was so beautiful. In fact, uh, it's, it, was, it was great because even in the last week, uh, she was praying with no, uh, no leading of me. Uh, but she just she gave her whole heart to the Lord, and she gave her whole heart to the. And I was so I was tears were running down my face because she she gave her life to Jesus just on her own with no prompting from me, and uh, and she, and she just did that. But it was so profound when when she said, "Thank you, God, you know for giving me this gift, the gift of my parents, gift of my brother and sister," and uh, and I think that's so beautiful because we honor our parents because of the position that God has given them in our lives, like what you were saying, Mike. They, they are that, that gift to us. And it's, and it's tied to a higher position uh, with, with the fatherhood that we have with God. And, uh, and I don't know if you know this. Uh, but that's my sarcastic voice. Uh, but if, if you've had kids, uh, you'll soon find out that honoring your father and mother is not really a natural thing to do. It just doesn't flow out of like you know, a natural. Oh, I'm going to honor and respect my my mom and dad today. Uh, it doesn't it doesn't flow nicely. Well, for me, anyways. Um, but what does flow naturally is to not listen, uh, to rebel, to not go to bed. You know, and and just like that, just kind of flows naturally. Um, did you ever, like as parents, I'll ask you guys this question. Did you guys ever have to teach your kids how to lie? Probably, probably not. You know, I, I don't think you had to do that. Parents, did you have to teach your kids how to rebel and say, no, no. <laughs> I don't think you had to do that. Um, or did you have to teach your children to leave their room a mess? No, no. It just kind of happens naturally, doesn't it? It's just, just kind of what happens. You just throw things around. Uh, but what do we have to teach our kids? What do we have to teach our children? We have to teach them respect. We have to teach them honor the value of human life. Stop hitting your sister. She's a person. She's a human, right? Like, you, you've got to teach and instill the value of human life uh, in these kids, being care, being gentle. Like, when we brought home our, our youngest daughter, uh, I would always be so scared because my son, Ty, was just, he, he just does things without knowing, and he would, like, jump on her with, like, a sumo squat and be like, Woohoo, this is fun because she's a baby, you know? Uh, but that's not... That's not the... So you're like, be gentle, be gentle, okay? You know, put your hands behind your back. Uh, you know, all that kind of stuff, right? You have to teach that stuff, right? Um, so, you know, when we teach respect, honor, care, gentleness, oh, that sounds like the fruit of uh, being natural? No, that's, that's the fruit of the Spirit, isn't it? And it talks about that, the fruit of the natural Versus the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians uh, 5, 16 to 26. And you can read that when you, when you get home. Read that, that passage. You see the, the, the difference of the fruit of the natural, like what we just kind of flows out of us. And then we also see the fruit of the Spirit, which is uh, stuff that flows out of us when we live by Spirit, when we get taught by, by God and by our parents. And so... Parents, here's a couple hints uh, to help your kids honor you. is First, you must teach them something, and second, you must teach yourselves. So first, you must teach them, first, utmost, foremost, by all means, <laughs> to honor God. If you can teach them to honor God, then they can honor you. Because when they honor God, and they see that He is impressive, that he is weighty, that he is important in their lives, that he is worth listening to, that he is worth obeying, uh, then everything else will change. So first and foremost, get them to honor God. Teach them to honor God. Second is you must teach yourselves. Uh, Teach myself uh, being honorable in conduct and behavior, but we must teach ourselves as well to honor God. And, uh, and also, in doing so, uh, we can be not hypocritical, not overbearing, not angry or in frustration, which that can happen when your kids don't go to bed and you really want them to go to bed, <laughs> and they just won't. You can get angry and frustrated. Anyways, that happens to me. Um, and, uh, and then I'm like, okay, God, please help me. <laughs> Give me patience. Um, but we live our lives in humility, right? Willing to admit when we're wrong. Willing to admit you know, saying, yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, and that, that goes a long ways with kids. So let, let them be impressed with God's work in your life. Let them be impress, impressed with you and how you honor God and how you treat others. I understand it's not easy to raise kids uh, in a culture where honor uh, is not valued and where there is no honor. Where, in fact, everyone would would, in fact, cut everyone down if they were honored. They would say, let's bring him down to our level. Let's cut him down. He's on a pedestal. Let's bring him down, right? That's our first reaction. That's what we want to do. Uh, We don't live in a culture where we we like to honor people. Uh, But parents, just think, you may be the only one ever to teach your kids that other people can be honored and that other people may be worthy of honor. Because in a world screaming at them, saying, no one is honored, honor only yourself, you're number one, look out for number one, who's going to teach them that someone is worthy of honor, even though we're all imperfect people, even though we all make mistakes, uh, and, uh, and that someone may be worthy of honor. Uh, it's, uh, it's an important thing. And you saw, you heard of some practical ways that you can honor your parents, right? Family gatherings, inviting them out, caring for them in their old age, Blessings on marriage, uh, giving them the head of the table, you know, keeping in weekly contact like Doug so does, which I need to do too. Uh, but it's, it's one of those things that, that there's so many more practical ways that we can honor our parents. But I heard this definition of honor, and I want to share it with you guys. Honor is a decision we make to place a high value, worth, and importance on a person by viewing him or her as the precious gift and granting him or her a position in our lives of great respect. And love is putting that decision into practice. Uh, We've heard this scripture at weddings, uh, but it's for much, much more. In fact, it's for the church, uh, and uh, it's for us loving one another and loving our parents. I'm going to read it. You, You guys all know it. Uh, and if you don't, it's, it's very, very famous. I'm sure you've heard glimpses. It's in First Corinthians 13, 4-7. Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast. It is not proud, it does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Some of you have given up hope. Some of you have given up persevering. But God's here right now to help you to not give up hope. There is hope. So, um, yeah, Doug, we're going to pass it on to you. Okay. Uh, to to conclude and uh, and just prepare your hearts as well too because we're going to be sharing in communion soon, so
2: yeah, right. So we want to go from the old covenant to the new covenant, which we we're celebrating mm-hmm. around the communion table tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, but as we do that, we want to wrap up this portion of uh, the evening by just leaving you uh, an opportunity to do something practical uh, with this commandment from the Lord. And uh, I want to talk briefly about two gifts, two more gifts that he gives to us. The first is the gift of being thankful. And uh, so as you've been thinking about your parents and all of that thing, perhaps the Holy Spirit would remind you or has reminded you of some things maybe you could be thankful for. And so in your pew, you're going to find a little yellow card in there. It's got two sides to it, one of it. Uh, One side says, I'm thankful for, the other... Uh, side says, uh, my confession, I think it says. So that's the other gift that God's given to us, is the gift of confession. That as we confess our sin, uh, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin. And as we come to the communion table, we're instructed that we should examine ourselves. So we're going to allow just a minute or two of quiet time, and we're going to ask you to ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, is there anything that you want me to be thankful for? As I think of my parents? Or B, is there anything, any confession that I need to make about how I've not followed through with your command? So I think I'll pray and then we'll just allow a moment of silence, and Steve's going to lead us in communion.